Now, the Wealth Protection Diva is a successful entrepreneur, business owner, and premier business strategist, president and CEO of Sage International Incorporated, and a national speaker, best-selling author, and motivational teacher of financial education, business development, and wealth protection strategies, the joys and frustrations of being a business owner. Her insights are motivating, her frankness inspiring. Here is Sherry Hill. The origin of the Dutch oven has been the cause of much discussion and debate. It is sufficient to say that Dutch ovens first came to this continent from Europe before the United States of America was a country. Some claim the name comes from Dutch peddlers. They imported the ovens from Holland and sold them door to door from their wagons. Paul Revere is reported to have been one of the early manufacturers of Dutch ovens in this country. Lewis and Clark carried Dutch ovens on their cross-country trek. The fur trappers, explorers, pioneers, and cattle drivers all depended on the Dutch oven to provide a wide range of hearty meals as they blazed their way into the history books. In more recent times, cattle ranchers, river rafters, black powder clubs, backcountry horsemen, trail guides, and boy scouts have enjoyed the fun of preparing food with these ovens, as well as the quality of food that can be produced. In recent years, there has been a rapidly growing interest in use of Dutch ovens for camping, picnics, and backyard gatherings. Terry Bell, the Dutch diva, has been cooking outdoors with Dutch ovens for over 30 years. She began cooking outdoors as a young bride in a remote mountain meadow where they lived without electricity or indoor plumbing. Her major kitchen appliance was a Coleman stove, the old pump style, and a fire pit outdoors. She honed her skills over the years cooking for family, trail rides, summer horse pack trips, and hunting excursions. She is currently the Dutch oven cook for the Reno Rodeo Cattle Drive and is a featured guest chef at the Nothing To It Culinary Institute here in Reno, Nevada. You will regularly see her at events throughout the state of Nevada. Welcome, Terry. Well, thank you. I love that history. (laughs) It's kind of funny. You know, when I, uh, of course, you're a diva, so I had to meet you since I'm a diva. Divas unite. (laughs) But, you know, it's, it's kind of an unfortunate byproduct of today is that everybody's in a rush. We're not really cooking, you know, busy lifestyles, all those things. And now, is it, you know, like one of your goals to really help people, you know, combat this trend and really kind of bring back the Dutch oven cooking as a healthy alternative way to get folks to get out there and and have some fun around food? Yeah, one of the goals and the things that I love about the Dutch oven cooking is the whole atmosphere, the whole slow process, the fact that you prepare the food together And it's not like you're on this time schedule. You just sit there and everybody usually gathers around the fire pit or wherever you're cooking or sits on the porch or wherever you've got your kitchen built and just enjoys each other's company and talks. And then you smell the food cooking and then you check it and then you get ready and everybody eats together. To me, it's just a much more relaxed, laid back kind of atmosphere. And that's what I love so much about this type of cooking. Well, one of the nice things is I I told you that, you know, I bought a Dutch oven last year. And, of course, it's still sitting in the box because while it 
on the surface, it's like, great, I can cook all this in one pot. And then as I immersed myself in the world of Dutch oven cooking so that I could have a great conversation with you today, you know, I realize it it can be easy, but there's some there's some things that you need to know. <laughs> yeah, there's some basic mistakes that people make, and I think people like you have great intentions, but then it's just a little bit daunting to actually do it. You know, that fear of failure, and I've had my fair share of failures. I mean, I've burned tons of stuff over the years, <laughs> and that's kind of how you learn. So in the classes that I teach, I really give people some basic do's and do nots, you know, with the whole Dutch oven cooking. One of the biggest mistakes people make is putting too much fire on too fast. You know, they get in a hurry, they want it to cook fast, they think more is better. But you know, once you burn it, you're done. Yeah, you can't go back and unburn it. So one of the basic principles I teach people is start out slow. And then you can always add fire if you need to. But you can't take it away once you've already burned it. Right. So so this is like a there's a layering of knowledge. So first is the fire, then it's the actual pot, and then it's length of time and, and all the utensils and cool things you need So because it's hot. Right. And so I'm sure that's part of what you're teaching all of us is, you know, how do you really do it from start to finish? Yeah, there are several components of a Dutch oven class, and generally they're a three-hour class. And that's sufficient time to cover things things like, you know, your basic cooking, because you do prepare a meal in every class, and usually that has maybe three dishes in it. We'll usually do a main dish, a bread, and a dessert in every one of the classes. And we'll cover some basic things like, if you're new to Dutch oven cooking and you're going to purchase an oven, what's that one oven that you should purchase as your first one? And so I give people some tips on the, the most preferable size, and most versatile oven to purchase. Then we talk about the basic tools. You know, you don't have to have everything that is in the Dutch oven section of your local sporting goods store. But there are some basic things that you want. And you don't necessarily have to have all of the manufactured things. There's a lot of things. I make a lot of cooking surfaces out of things that I have at home. Bricks, pavers. I have one cooking surface that's on a milk crate with a griddle on top of it. You know, and it just makes a great cooking surface that I can take different places. So we cover a lot of things like that. And the storage of ovens, that's a big question that people have. Seasoning of ovens, um, proper cleaning and handling of them after you've used them. Those are all some common things that we cover. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. And it excites me because now that I know you, I'll be like, I don't have to fear my Dutch oven anymore, right? No, you don't. <laughs> don't be afraid of that black pot. One of the interesting and fascinating things is I was out there researching and and finding out, you know, what are people doing with these, the recipes, because it's not just simply we're making a stew or a pot of macaroni and cheese. I mean, we're talking about pretty extravagant types of recipes. Some of them can be. Now, in a class, I generally, you know, if I'm doing like a Dutch oven 101, we're going to start with something basic, something that everybody could tackle with their first dish. And you mentioned stew. That's a great first dish because, for one, it's got a lot of liquid in it, so your likelihood of burning is less. Um, It's a great one pot, throw everything in there. You could put extra heat on that and not necessarily have it fail. 
So that's a good one to start with. And then a lot of people like to tackle cobblers as their first dessert. There's so many different easy cobbler recipes. So that's another good one to start with. And so I start with basic, basic recipes. And then as the classes progress, I'll offer things that are a little bit more difficult. Now, the ones that I offer at Nothing To It, you know, those appeal more to people who like doing more uh, from scratch cooking. So we really focus a lot on fresh ingredients, and that's one thing I think I've brought to the whole Dutch oven cooking world is it's not just open a can of processed soup and throw it over some meat. You know, I really want to incorporate fresh ingredients. I use a lot of fresh herbs, fresh vegetables, you know, starting from those whole foods rather than processed foods. Not that there's not a place for those in certain scenarios, right. but I like going fresh. All right. This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to the Sherry Hill Show with guest Terry Bell, the Dutch diva. And of course, we're talking about that big black pot called a Dutch oven. And so, you know, kind of leading back into what my intro was, is this really is a great way uh, all year round to incorporate good, healthy cooking into your lifestyle, right? Getting away mm-hmm. from the aluminums and the Teflons and all these other things. There's definitely that health component of it, too. Cooking in the Dutch ovens, you know, cast iron, you have a little bit of benefit from a health standpoint in terms of cooking in cast iron, as well as it just being a fun thing to do and one of the more traditional methods. So, yeah, it's a. I think it's seeing a real resurgence for many reasons. I had somebody take a class recently, and I asked people, why does this interest you? And this particular couple were interested in, not that they were actually, like, preppers, but they said, you know, we're kind of concerned that what if we had a catastrophic failure of electricity and power and things like that? Would we have some alternative ways to cook and prepare our meals? And that was what interested them about this. Right. Well, and for those that resist cooking because of all the cleanup, we're talking one pot. Yeah, and, and a lid. And, oh, and they make things like um, Dutch oven liners. Yeah. So, you know, even if you didn't really want to have to clean the pot itself, you can throw a liner in there and then just throw the liner out when you're done. Mm. Can't be any easier than that. Right. So, you know, from a business perspective, because that's what I do for a living is help people start and, you know, create success through their business, even though I know you're not at the level that you want to be. But, I mean, this is something that, You've created a great website. There's a, an awesome video of you and your husband and your ranching lifestyle. And it, it was just kind of fun to watch because it it literally kind of took me back to a simpler time. Yeah, it does. And that's what appeals to me, too. Um, the whole concept with the video on the website is that was shot as a promotional video for um, a TV series that we were trying to put together and still are working on that project. And what we found is that it's more than just the Dutch oven cooking. It's more kind of about our lifestyle. We sometimes feel like we were born 100 years too late, that we would have fit in really well in the 1800s, particularly my husband feels that way. So here we are living in this modern world, but yet we incorporate a lot of traditional, old-fashioned things into our lives, Um, the cooking outside, the heating with wood, um, you know, really trying to live more off the grid than on the grid and being more self-sustainable. And even with the ranching, you know, Randy's out there irrigating, but as you look on the video, he's doing it on a quad. 
So, you know, you live in the modern world, but you're still trying to hold on to some of those old-fashioned um, ideals and living styles. Right, right. And, of course, this is a great way to do that, especially, you know, we live in an area where, you know, you can cook pretty much outdoors every day. Even, you know, I'm, I've been known to barbecue in my parka, you know, because I love to be outside and that just great quick cook as far as a barbecue versus standing over pots and pans and and all of that and and especially baking I don't bake so when you say to me I can cook an entire cobbler and I was watching you make all your biscuits and all this cool stuff in one pot again it's like I'm this really attracts me (laughs) Yeah, and it's really no more difficult and takes no more room and space than you barbecuing outside does. And that's what I try and show people is you can build this little cooking area in your backyard, just like you have an area for your barbecue out of materials that you probably already have sitting there. And so it's very simple just to walk out in the backyard, you know, prepare your pot inside, take it outside, get some charcoal ready, put it on, let it cook. Yeah. Well, Terry, we have to go to break. We come back, we're going to pick up on this conversation about this uh, wonderful tool we're going to call the Dutch Oven. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This is Howard Olson from Mind Strategy. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she is a continual learner. Sherry Hill has a unique understanding of the business world and can describe it succinctly. Sage International Incorporated fosters the entrepreneurial spirit by first educating our clients. In fact, we wrote the best-selling book, Incorporate and Get Rich, as recommended by Robert Kiyosaki in his bestseller, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. For over 20 years, we've taught thousands of business owners, investors, professionals, and entrepreneurs how to properly structure their business and personal assets to avoid the three flaming arrows of challenge, income taxes, liability exposure, probate and death taxes. Call Sage International Incorporated at 1-800-254-5779 to set up a free 30-minute consultation. That's 1-800-254-5779. Sage International. This is Sandra Yancey from Dallas, Texas. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she's a business rock star, a woman clear about who she is and what she wants to do and is making it happen. Sherry Hill is the wealth protection diva. Welcome back to the Sherry Hill Show, doing everything possible to spark and fuel your entrepreneurial dreams. Now, here's your host, Sherry Hill. From the birth of our nation, Dutch ovens have been an integral and versatile part of Americana. Sadly, today's high-tech, hustle-and-bustle lifestyle has all but forgotten the art of leather-glove cuisine. Squatting heavily in dank basements, drafty attics, and dusty, cluttered garages, these three-legged hulks from a bygone era wait impatiently to release their treasures. Until then, they are pitted by time and tarnished by neglect. For those who will uncover the mystery, their gaping caverns can once again be brimming with magic. It takes us from the hurriedly prepared meals in modern stainless steel, gadget-laden kitchens to a simpler, slower, basic style of preparing and enjoying food. 
It transports us back to the time of our ancestors when the cast iron pot was a daily necessity and a prized family possession. Terry Bell, the Dutch diva, has been cooking outdoors with Dutch ovens for over 30 years. She is currently the Dutch oven cook for the Reno Rodeo Cattle Drive and teaches Dutch oven cooking at Nothing To It Culinary Institute, as well as on her beautiful ranch located in Verdi, Nevada. Her website is thedutchdiva.com. Terry, let's talk about the fact that Dutch oven cooking is not just about the methods, but it really is about the experience. Yeah, it really is. Because most of us, when we do Dutch oven cooking, we're not doing it by ourselves. We're surrounded by family or friends or neighbors or other people that we know, and we're kind of sharing that experience with them. At least that has been my background is, you know, I did this as a hobby and just kind of a family thing for years. And it was with groups that we would go riding with. We'd go out for a trail ride for the day. Then we'd come back and cook something in the Dutch ovens, um, go for weekend trips, hunting trips. So it really was about that camaraderie and that family atmosphere that surrounded the cooking, not just the food itself. Right. Well, and I imagine, so, you know, the Reno Rodeo Cattle Drive, right? People come out there because they wanted the true experience of what cattle drives were like. So tell us some about that. Yeah, the cattle drive is probably my favorite thing to do every year, although it is an amazing amount of work. Um, So if you've seen the movie City Slickers, I sometimes, if people aren't, can't really envision it, you can kind of envision it by thinking about that. The Reno Rodeo hosts the cattle drive every year, the the week before the rodeo starts. So it's kind of a kickoff event. And they actually bring the steers straight down McCarran and Sutro into the Livestock Event Center at the conclusion. So it's really a fun event to get the rodeo started. But we um, bring out anywhere from 50 to 60 what we call guests. These are people who sign up to experience an authentic cattle drive for five days. And um, some of these people have limited or no experience with horses. A lot of people think you have to be this great rider and have lots of cow savvy, and you don't. We have people who are experienced horse people and people who aren't, but it appeals to all of those people. And the best part about Cattle Drive to me is hearing people's stories. We usually have a chance to really sit down with them and talk to them and ask them what this Cattle Drive means to them. Some of them have had it on their bucket list maybe for most of their life, and they've wanted to do this. Maybe it was something they wanted to share with a family member. We have a lot of father-son, father-daughter. We had a couple that was actually, they got married and it was their honeymoon. If you can imagine that. So, you know, hearing people's stories and talking to them is the most meaningful experience to me of the cattle drive. And then sharing the whole Dutch oven cooking with them and seeing them marvel at that is just kind of an added bonus. Right. When when you say it's a lot of work because you're feeding, what, 100 plus people? Yeah, we're feeding anywhere from 130 to 150 people every day. Now, doing that much food in Dutch ovens, the whole thing would be a daunting task. So we have a caterer who does the bulk of the food, and then I supplement that with fresh bread and dessert every night in each camp. So because the camps move, my kitchen is built and taken down, loaded in the truck, moved to the next 
place and built again for five days. That's the exhausting part. Well, and I guess, so you of all people know that experience of what did it feel like to come across the United States in a wagon, right? (laughs) And pack up that stuff every day and hit the road again. Uh, And we only do it for five days. I can't imagine what it would be to do that for months on end. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So the kind of going back to the cattle drive, because, you know, I put myself out there and so I don't need to have my own horse. No, <laughs> you don't. And this is actually the 25th anniversary of the cattle drive this year. So it's a really special year for us to commemorate that many years of doing this. And um, you don't have to have your own horse. The price that you pay is all inclusive. And I guess in years, in the earlier years, some people were bringing their horses, but that was a problem because you have horses that aren't necessary necessarily acclimated to um, Nevada and the dryness, and there were some health issues. So at one point, they decided that really wasn't safe for everybody, the animals and the people included. So they have a, a contractor who comes up from the Mammoth Lakes area and brings the horses. They're all, they get along. They are great mountain horses, very dependable, sure-footed. And so those are the horses that are provided for the guests. The other people, um, the wranglers, the cowboys, the other people who ride with the herd are experienced horse people and have their own stock with them. Well, that's awesome. I mean, so again, if you're out here listening and and having the the cattle drive on your bucket list you can you can just do it yeah yeah i would definitely encourage people to sign up i know that right um towards the end of the the time for registering they do get filled up and we encourage people to put their name on that waiting list because for some reason some people may have to drop out at the last minute and they will provide that opening. So, you know, if you're interested, definitely get your name into the Reno Rodeo office. This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to the Sherry Hill Show with guest Terry Bell, the Dutch diva. And she is the Dutch oven cook for the Reno Rodeo Cattle Drive. And that's what we've been talking about. So I'm all excited because I get to, now I can think, oh, I could be a cowgirl or a cowboy, right? And nothing hold me back. There's no excuse. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a great opportunity for anybody. Yeah. So kind of your part, your role in all of that, of course, is you're providing uh, like you said, you're supplementing the, the main meals. But something interesting that I saw in your video that I watched on your website, you talk about the fact that you make sourdough bread and the sourdough starter is like 130 years old. Is that like, is it in a baggie? I mean, how do you keep something for 130 years? <laughs> yeah, the sourdough start um, was handed down through the Bell family for pretty close to 140 years now. Randy's family settled in the Reese River Valley back in the 1800s. In fact, his ancestor said that Nevada didn't come to them. They or they they didn't come to Nevada. Nevada came to them because they settled before it was a state. So that's been handed down, and it's handed down through the men in the family. I've been one of the few women allowed to touch the sourdough, so I feel very honored. Anyway, sourdough start uh, staple through all the 1800s because, you know, it was used as a leavening agent before commercial yeast was readily available. So it was very popular throughout the whole uh, westward migration and cattle drives and all those types of things. So this start is a wet start. It's kept in a crock in the refrigerator. 
So we just keep a quart of it always in the refrigerator. You want to use it every couple of months, you know, just to keep it active, build it up, uh, make your sourdough hotcakes or your bread or whatever you're going to make with it, and then you put your start back in the refrigerator, and it, it just keeps, keeps on going. Keeps going. <laughs> And well. <laughs> uh, the the cattle drive is interesting because you have to build up enough start. And so I start the cattle drive with two five-gallon buckets full of sourdough start. And I use that up, and I even build more while we're out on the trail. So I go through a lot of sourdough start on that cattle drive. Uh, well, growing up in Northern California, you know, famous for its uh, sourdough French bread. So I'm I'm like drooling over here. <laughs> Yeah, the the authentic um, sourdough is a little bit different than that. It does have a little bit of tang, but it's much sweeter than a lot of people think it will be when they taste it. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily the sourdough that they're thinking of. Right. So because you have to feed so many people on this cattle drive, I mean, it's what do you, biscuits and pancakes or I mean I mean how are you doing all out of a little pot yeah the logistics are kind of interesting in fact when they first asked me to do the cattle drive I think it was that like eight or nine years ago I had to really think about it because I had never done something on that scale and also with such specific time constraints you know to turn out seven or eight ovens of bread at six o'clock you know I had never really had to do it that way so I really had to kind of step up my game but yeah we'll do um well what I'll do is I'll work with the caterer I'll get their menu and I'll find out okay they're making beef on Monday night and so I'll pick a bread and a dessert that I think will partner well and really complement that meal. So, for instance, with beef, I would probably do something like I'd start with my sourdough bread and maybe I would add some pesto and sun-dried tomatoes mm. with beef. Or I'd do like a Parmesan herb kind of a flavoring with the bread. And with beef, I always like partnering something with a little bit of richness to it, like maybe a fresh berry cobbler, something a little deeper, a black forest cake, chocolate, something like that. So I partner that, and then I, you know, make out my grocery list, which is, you know, (laughs) huge. I have to go shopping for several days, and then my kitchen is just stacked with gear before I pack the back of the truck for taking everything out there. So it's it's a pretty big logistical project. I can see that, and and I saw on your video you stack these ovens so yeah, it's it's quite a process and i'm not there yet but <laughs> more stacking might be a little bit more advanced than yeah. your first time out <laughs> all right we have to go to break we come back we're going to pick up on this conversation because i'm learning a lot about how to get that dutch oven i bought out of the box and making some good stuff this summer while camping we'll be right back This is Dan Pilla, author of How to Win Your Tax Audit. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is an important resource because she provides all the information small businesses need to succeed. Sage International Incorporated fosters the entrepreneurial spirit by first educating our clients. In fact, we wrote the best-selling book, Incorporate and Get Rich, as recommended by Robert Kiyosaki in his bestseller, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. For over 20 years, we've taught thousands of business owners, investors, professionals, and entrepreneurs how to properly structure their business and personal assets to avoid the three flaming arrows of challenge, income taxes, liability exposure, probate and death taxes. 
call Sage International Incorporated at 1-800-254-5779 to set up a free 30-minute consultation. That's 1-800-254-5779. Sage International. This is Misty Young, the restaurant lady. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she embodies, lives, and teaches entrepreneurs to be successful. Sherry Hill is entrepreneurism in action. Welcome back to The Sherry Hill Show, doing everything possible to spark and fuel your entrepreneurial dreams. Now, here's your host, Sherry Hill. Quick, you've got your emergency food stored in the pantry, but how are you going to cook them? Think fast, because without an off-the-grid cooking method, you could be stuck eating cold cans of kidney beans in the event of a power outage or major collapse. Fortunately, Dutch oven cooking is a skill everybody can learn. More than an alternate cooking method, it's a culinary art and a family pastime. Some of the best memories are made over a campfire and a delicious Dutch oven meal. Dutch ovens are the cookware that won the West and the East, too. They were so valuable in early America that they were bequeathed in wills and passed down for generations. Pioneer women used them on the frontier where fire was the only means of cooking. They were ideal for life on the move because you could prepare a whole meal in one pot with easy cleanup. Terry Bell, the Dutch diva, has been cooking outdoors with Dutch ovens for over 30 years. She honed her skills over the years cooking for family, trail rides, summer horse pack trips, and hunting excursions. So that's a great lead-in because when you think about I mean, a lot of us are really kind of in that place again, you know, survival mode, and, and this is something that... I would suggest, I'm sure you suggest, because you do a lot of teaching, that every family should have a Dutch oven. Yeah, it's a great backup plan. You know, I've lived off the grid and am really comfortable with that. So when the power goes out, we don't necessarily hardly bat an eye. But for a lot of people, that can be really a little bit um, anxiety-laden. Mm-hmm. So you need to have kind of a backup plan. Well, could I actually cook a meal? How would I cook that meal? You know, instead of, like you say, dealing with freeze-dried foods or things out of a can, you know. And that's why I think this appeals to people in today's day and age. They're thinking about those things. Well, especially young people who, you know, have limited space. Not necessarily do they have big backyards to cook in, but, you know, I know the Boy Scouts added a whole new badge on Dutch oven cooking because it's part of survival strategy, right? It is. Yeah, there's definitely a place for it, you know, in all these different applications. Cool. All right. So, as I said, last year I bought a Dutch oven. It is still in the box. I can see the little legs sticking out of the bottom. And... my mind, it was like, oh, this is fantastic. This is going to be great. When I camp, I'm going to be able to cook everything in one pot. And then as I lugged this thing around, because it's quite heavy, and I don't even know what size I bought. So earlier you mentioned you need to know. (laughs) Yeah. So I just bought it. So someone like me, which is who you teach, right? You teach a lot of people just like me who made the jump, but we haven't opened the box yet. Right. So... One thing to know um, is, like you say, you bought it in the box. How long ago did you buy it? 
year. <laughs> okay, that tells me a lot. Yeah. Because the new Dutch ovens now, and you know, the most common brands are Lodge, Camp Chef. Those are two of the ones that you see most often. Um, those new ovens are pre-seasoned, meaning that the cast iron is already seasoned. It um, is not dry. It doesn't have to go through that seasoning process. So most of the ovens are pre-seasoned, meaning you can literally use them right out of the box. You don't have to go through that process. Now, if you bought one, let's say, at a garage sale or at an antique store or someplace else, and it looked a little, the the metal looked a little bit dry or even had a little bit of rust, that oven would need a little bit of preparation before you would start using it. But yours, you can use it right out of the box. You could, you know, make sure the inside is clean, dust it out a little bit, wipe it out, put a little coat of uh, vegetable oil or my favorite when I'm cooking is the butter flavored Crisco because not only does it um, help the food not to stick, it adds a little bit of flavor. And in my opinion, it helps my oven stay really well seasoned. So you can put a little coat of that and then prepare your dish, put it in there, put some coals on it and bake it. So yeah, it is important to know what size. Um, They come, they go down to as small as little mini pots of four inches up to most stores you might see them as large as 16s anything larger than a 16 generally has to be ordered from somewhere most of the stores don't carry them because most people are not looking for an oven that large you know <laughs> right. not only are they heavy to carry empty but you f- put f- food oh, in them I tell you, and I they're almost impossible around i'm like oh yeah. i gotta have this pot yeah yeah you definitely get a workout i try and counterbalance <laughs> yeah. and make sure i've got one in each hand when i'm carrying them around right. but yeah I have a whole wide variety of sizes because different sizes and they make different depths. Some of them are a shallower oven and some of them are deeper. The deeper ones are going to be more suitable for baking bread and things that rise so you still have that airspace. The shallow ones are going to be more appropriate for things like casseroles and things that you don't necessarily have to worry about them coming up when they bake. Right. Well, I noticed on your website and that, what was the website? thedutchdiva.com. Right. And your husband, I think, he's making all kinds of cool trivets out of horseshoes because, again, it's not just about, you know, I know there's the prep to get the coals right, then the oven, the Dutch oven, and then now, you know, what happens when we're ready to take it off the fire because that's part of safety. (laughs) It is, yeah. And you have to be aware of those things that you take that oven off and you don't realize those three little legs at the bottom are little hot pokers. I have a friend who has a beautiful um, chopping board, one of those kind of uh, plastic ones, and it has three beautiful (laughs) holes in it because somebody set a hot Dutch oven on it. So Randy started making these trivets out of horseshoes, and we are never, you know, lacking for horseshoes at our place, out of these three horseshoes, and it's elevated so that when you put the oven on it, I could put it on any kind of surface, and it would keep those legs up off that surface and make it safe. So when I'm doing a class and then it culminates in us sitting around a table and eating, I can put those ovens right on top of this wooden table and not worry about them burning anything. And then he expanded that and made some plant hangers and and all kinds of neat things. Yeah, yeah. so that's all on your website. So yeah, I'm going to definitely get one of those trivets because yeah, I once I saw that, I'm like, oh, that makes total sense. <laughs> yeah, and they sell them. I have some like at Nothing To It. They sell them at Nothing To It oh. also, and then they can buy them through us. Awesome. This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show with the Dutch diva, Terry Bell.
And we're getting into the topic of Dutch ovens. And of course, we're rolling into, you know, spring and summer and camping. And this is when people are ready to emerge into the outdoors. And so, you know, our goal today is to give you kind of a heads up that this is a great way to cook in the outdoors. Yeah, it is. And the whole camping thing, um, you know, you can, if you're in a, a regular campground, you know, you can cook in the dirt, you can cook on concrete, sand, you know, so no matter where you're going, it's appropriate to, to be able to do this. And another question I get asked, particularly for pe- people that go out camping is, do I have to use charcoal? Can I use my um, coals from my campfire? And that definitely can be done. Most of the classes we do are with charcoal because obviously it is the most consistent heat source in terms of Dutch oven cooking. It's going to give you that nice uniform heat. Um, You're not going to have to worry about uneven temperatures for the most part. But you can cook with your coals um, because maybe you don't want it. Maybe you're going in somewhere, you're backpacking. Well, you'd backpack with an aluminum. You obviously yeah. backpack <laughs> with a cast iron. You wouldn't take the yeah. one I have, that's for sure. For horse packing, you know, you're yeah. not going to pack in charcoal for cooking. You're just going to use your coals from your fire. And you can definitely do that. You just need to be aware that they're not going to cook as consistently. You may have some hot spots you, that could burn. So you want to really employ methods like um, rotating your oven to keep from those hot spots hitting the same place all the time. And there's some things that you can do to deal with the charcoal from the campfire, but totally doable. Yeah. Well, I noticed um, that you put charcoal on the top, on the lid, too, because I'm guessing... Right. Yeah. You're creating an oven within that cast iron pot. So when I build my firing, let's say I have a 12-inch oven, I'm going to build my bottom ring slightly larger than the bottom of that pot. And what that does, that allows some heat to transfer up the sides too, not just the bottom. So I'll space all my charcoal on the bottom, place my oven, and then I'll space charcoal on the top. And that's another question that people have getting started. They're not sure how many pieces of charcoal do I use. So the best thing to do is if you buy an oven, a lot of times they come with a little charcoal guide. And then you can get free apps. Go to your app store, and this is a free app that you can get, and it gives you that ratio. It'll tell you, you plug in, I have a 12-inch oven. I want it to bake at 350 degrees, and then it'll tell you how many pieces of charcoal to put on the bottom and how many to put on the top. So I don't necessarily cook like that just because of the length of time and the many years I've done this, but it's a great place for people to start and have a guide to to get them started. Yeah, that makes sense because you have to go out and you have to shop and you have to prepare. And and if this is your one pot meal, you better not blow it, right? Yeah. (laughs) Or have something in reserve. But that's when when people peel off the burn part and serve the rest. (laughs) Golly. Well, but the the key is, and what I get from you, too, is, I mean, this actually, it, it can be a lot of fun. And whether you make the mistakes or it comes out perfect doesn't really matter no, because, you know, you've perfected over 30 years, yeah. right? Your very first pot of cooking probably wasn't what it tastes like today. Oh, so. no, not at all. Not <laughs> yeah. at all. I burned my fair share of stuff and, you know, and still every once in a while I won't be paying attention and something will get a little overdone or I'll have a burn spot on something and think, well, that's what you get for not paying attention. Yeah. And I did notice one of the things on the cleaning is we avoid water. 
Well, I have my own theory about that. There are a lot of what I call Dutch oven purists who say, don't ever let water touch your oven. I don't subscribe to that theory because I believe that they do need to be cleaned. And I don't think it's going to damage them in the long run to, you know, if you have a dirty oven, to go ahead and and wash it out, scrub it out if necessary. But here's the key is you have got to thoroughly dry that oven. If you leave any residual moisture at all, that's the biggest enemy of your cast iron. So, like, for example, I had a demo the other day on Saturday. So I brought my pots home. I washed them, cleaned them, and they're still sitting on my counter with the lids separate, all air drying. So what's that been? You know, a few days. Mm -hmm. I'll let them sit on those counter for a few days, completely drying. And then I'll put um, a paper towel in it. And that, that just wicks out any slight little moisture that might be in there. And then put the lid on and then store it. You don't want to eat rust. Well, it, it'll <laughs> damage your pots. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just once that rust starts, it's hard to get a hold of it. When we come back, I'm going to finish up on this conversation because I'm getting inspired to cook in my new Dutch oven, even though it's a year old and it's still in the box, but not for long. We'll be right back. This is Megan McIntosh from Emphasis on Excellence. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she gets my minutes done. Sherry Hill is all about excellence. Sage International Incorporated fosters the entrepreneurial spirit by first educating our clients. In fact, we wrote the best-selling book, Incorporate and Get Rich, as recommended by Robert Kiyosaki in his bestseller, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. For over 20 years, we've taught thousands of business owners, investors, professionals, and entrepreneurs how to properly structure their business and personal assets to avoid the three flaming arrows of challenge, income taxes, liability exposure, probate and death taxes. Call Sage International Incorporated at 1-800-254-5779 to set up a free 30-minute consultation. That's 1-800-254-5779. Sage International. This is Terry Bell from Verdi, Nevada. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she is a fellow diva. Sherry Hill is vivacious. Welcome back to The Sherry Hill Show, doing everything possible to spark and fuel your entrepreneurial dreams. Now, here's your host, Sherry Hill. Dutch oven cooking is one of the most splendid activities on a camping trip, transforming raw materials into an aromatic, mouth-watering meal or dessert is as much art as science. Just the looks of anticipation on everyone's faces when you lift the lid on your cast iron Dutch oven and let some of the smells escape is worth the extra work of packing this heavy piece of gear. The International Dutch Oven Society, IDOS, is a nonprofit organization with the goals to preserve and promote the skills and art of Dutch oven cooking. From its humble beginnings in the Rocky Mountains, IDOS has grown to its current status as the world largest and most productive group of black pod enthusiasts in the world. Their motto is good friends, good food, and good fun. 
And who better to share this delicious art form of Dutch oven cooking than Terry Bell, the Dutch diva, who serves as the Dutch oven cook for the Reno Rodeo Cattle Drive and is a featured guest chef at Nothing To It Culinary Center in Reno, Nevada. I encourage you to check out her website at DutchDiva.com. Now, I think you go to their big cook-offs. Until a couple of years ago, I had never gotten involved in this whole competition thing. And then a few years ago, I was invited to go to a cook-off out in Winnemucca. And we decided, yeah, why not? So we did. We went out, and we ended up winning first place in people's choice and second place overall. Just kind of blew us out of the water. You know, we were pretty impressed. So it was fun. You know, I thought that was kind of fun. And then I entered a couple other local competitions, some things that were hosted at one of our local sporting goods stores. And, you know, it's just fun getting together with people and kind of challenging yourself. Well, then this cook-off in um, Winnemucca last year decided to add what's called an um, IDOS-sanctioned event. So in order to qualify to go to the World Championship Cook-Off, you have to win an IDOS-sanctioned cook-off. There are a number of them held throughout the country. Um, There are some people who have to travel to different states because sometimes it's hard to find them, and it has to be an IDOS-sanctioned event. So we competed in that, and we actually won second place. However, we won second place to the 2008 World Champions. Wow. Which we were just so (laughs) excited about. And according to the IDOS rules, these people decided they really did not want to exercise their right to go to the World Championship. And according to IDOS rules, they can give that privilege to the second place winners. And that's how we were able to go to the World Championship this year. So in March, we competed in the World Championship cook-off in Sandy, Utah, which was a whole nother world. I mean, you talk about over-the-top cooking. Wow. I bet. I mean, if you were blown away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I consider myself a really good Dutch oven cook. Yeah. And these people, you know, really hardcore competitors. And a lot of them travel, you know, throughout the states doing this. So it's it's really, they're, they're very serious competitors. And um, we missed going to the second day of competition by one point. Oh. Yeah, we had 317 points. Um at the end of that day, and the person had 318 was taken to the next day. So we still were really happy with our performance, and it was a great experience. And we met. Well, and some you represented the state well. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and we met some great people. Um, you know, people say, "Well, what are you going to do next time?" Well, I'm not sure yet if yes. there's going to be a next time. I have to decide if I, if that competition thing is really the direction I want to go. I love to teach. That really is my strength. And so that's where I kind of focus. Mm-hmm. But right. it was a great experience. Yeah. So, well, let's talk about that because you, you know, you are the Dutch diva. You earn that right. You've been doing this for, you know, over 30 years. You do teach at a local culinary institute and obviously some of TMCC and some other places that you're out there teaching. Those of us that are neophytes <laughs> with our Dutch oven, Um, you know, how to do it, how to do it well, how to have fun, enjoy the experience, because that's what this really is about. And so from a business perspective, I know that, you know, you'd love to be able to say, I can turn this into a whole business. But what are you what are you struggling with 
Yeah, that has been a little bit of a challenge. So I never even thought about the Dutch Diva as a business or Dutch oven cooking as a business until um, after a few years on the cattle drive, I had so many people asking me, I want to learn how to do this. Would you teach classes? And that kind of put this little seed in my mind. Well, is that something that I should pursue? And so I decided to kind of test the waters and put out some classes that I would do at the ranch and just see what kind of interest I got. And so the interest was fairly good. Um, I don't think just having classes is a sustainable business. Um, There's got to be some other things. So I was promoting some private dinners. Um, People could actually get their own group of people together and we could host a dinner either at our ranch or I could do it somewhere else of their choosing. Um, Not necessarily a catering company, but just more like special events for small groups. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, selling some of the things that we make at the ranch and teaching classes. But teaching is my strength, I feel. So one of the things that we're working on right now is – some TV stuff. So we've got um, a deal in the works with the PBS station down in Las Vegas, um, some segments of Outdoor Nevada. We're also working on trying to get something locally on air sponsored by one of the local sporting goods stores. So we feel like there's some opportunities there. And if that leads to something greater like on network um, TV, you know, we would be thrilled with that. And but really, my focus is the teaching aspect is is the strength. Whether or not it'll it'll be a business that could pay the bills, maybe not. But you know, it sure is a fun hobby, and it makes me a little bit of money on the side. Well, I'm anything related to eating, I'm like right <laughs> there. So I, my brain's over here going, oh yes, I can see, you know that. Again, it depends on, you know, how much time and energy and effort. And one of the things that, you know, we always talk about in business is you don't want to take something that you absolutely love and then it becomes I have to do it so that now you kind of cross that line. And so it's, you know, it's a fine line, but you've been doing this for a long time. And, you know, as with any entrepreneur, I hope I get to help you how to monetize it. Yeah. (laughs) And every year at the end of the season, which, you know, typically my season goes from April to October, and then I'm not really doing much in the winter months, I kind of evaluate at the end of that season and I say, okay, what were the things that I did this year that were successful? And what were the things that I really would like to stay away from? And I have gotten to the point where I feel comfortable with turning down things that are not necessarily profitable or worth the time that I have to put into them. So I have that name recognition, and that is nice to be at that point at least, to be able to just pick and choose the things that I do that fit in with my lifestyle, my schedule, and, you know, the time that I have. Yes, this is Sherry Hill. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show with guest Terry Bell, the Dutch diva. And because you do offer a lot of classes and stuff like that, I mean, what is if, so again, I'm, you know, still in my box, I need to get it out. What would I be looking at as far as, you know, how much do I have to pay to learn how to cook in my Dutch oven? Right. So um, if you take classes elsewhere, you know, they can be a little bit costly. The But I think that we offer a unique opportunity at Twin Peaks Ranch where we do our classes because the setting is very different. You're out on a ranch 
I have small classes. My maximum for my classes is 12, where at other places that I teach, I might take up to 24. So I really can give everybody very, um, you know, personalized um, teaching and coaching through the process. And then my favorite part about the classes, we have a, a beautiful place with a big wraparound porch. We have a big family-style meal on the porch at the end of every class. And to me, that's the most special part about it, is sitting around the table with everybody, getting to know them, sharing that meal that we just created. And some of the events that we even do um, that have been very popular are full moon dinners. So I'll pick out some full moons throughout the year, and right where we do the cooking and the eating, the moon comes up right there. Nice. And so if we do an evening class, we're usually having dessert right when that full moon is coming up, and that's really special. Yeah. So I think we offer a very unique opportunity and um, location right. that, that is set apart from some of the other classes that we do. Well, when we talk about, you know, what are some of the other things you could be doing as a business? So you mentioned some app, but you could create your own app. Right. You could be my Dutch oven coach, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh, and you ask about um, fees, too. So elsewhere where you might pay $85, $75 or $85 for one of my classes um, at the ranch, I give classes for $50 per person or two people for 85 So a lot of couples come and do that class. So, you know, at first people might bristle at that, but you know what? It's it's worth every penny. Well, I would it think really so, is. because if it's going to totally transform, you know, your camping, your outdoor adventures, and really in the long run, it's going to save you time and energy. Yeah. And plus, it's fun. Yeah, It's not just going for dinner. I call it mm-hmm. kind of a dinner in the show at the ranch. <laughs> Dinner and Dinner and a show. show. I love it. Yes. Well, so we're going to find out all that information on your website. And you write a really great blog because it says you love coffee. So you're always... <laughs> My coffee on the porch. Yes. Coffee at different locations. I do love coffee. And coffee on the porch has come to symbolize just some time of reflection or time that Randy and I sit on the porch and kind of talk about what we've got going on in our lives and just that uh, process that we go through. I have coffee on the porch with a girlfriend of mine who lives in Montana. So I text her and I say, coffee on the porch in five minutes. And she will text me back, yeah. And then we each sit on our porches and talk and have coffee on the porch. That's awesome. Well, it sounds like a laid back lifestyle. So I would encourage people to take advantage of that because if you wanna know what it really is like to be on a ranch, and experience cowboy and cowgirl it's a perfect perfect place to do it so yeah it is i'd love (laughs) i love to meet new people love to share this whole experience with them so i invite them to contact me and uh, um, come out and learn how to do all this stuff who would have thought that we could talk about a dutch oven for an hour but i'm fascinated (laughs) and you're fascinating and i'm so glad we got to connect and communicate and really share with people that you probably have one in your garage so why Mm -hmm. not put it to use and have some fun too so all right well thank you for being here and thank you i really enjoyed it okay bye-bye everybody the sherry hill show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country small business the backbone of america Send her a message on Facebook.com slash Sherry Hill Show and tune in next week, same time, same station for the Sherry Hill Show.